everybody, and welcome back to the Broadway Jets podcast. You'll know me from Twitter as NYJMike. I'm joined as always by the master of receipts. It's NYJMatt. And today we have a very special guest. He is a co-host of the Underdog Jets podcast with Jets legend Wayne Kerbet. He's a co-founder of Jets X Factor, and now he's our current boss. It's Robbie Savo. <laughs> oh, I'm about to take a bow. What, what kind of introduction is that? That's absurd. <laughs> You're a hot guy on Jets Twitter. These the Underdog Jets podcast is terrific. If you guys haven't checked it out, go check it out. It's available. Anywhere you listen to podcasts on YouTube, Jets X Factor page, their YouTube. It is really like, Matt and I are very impressed. Listen, it's two non-podcast guys trying to do a podcast. You know, that's, that's basically what I tell people. But, you know, if you talk football and old Jets football, there will be an audience for that. So that's kind of what we're going for there. Yeah, we love it. Like Mike said, we threw it on YouTube, 45 minute, nothing crazy. And it's a good time to hear a Jet legend and a current Jets beat writer talk about the good old days. But we'll get into the OTAs and what Robbie's doing at Florham Park a little bit later. We're going to do a top five most memorable moments of games you attended. So Jet games you attended, think of like that one memorable moment. And we're going to do five of those. We're doing like, five or three. Oh, we're thinking of three? I don't know. Five, three? Whatever. I got five. I don't I know. Five. Start with three. Well, start, let's with, start three. with three, and then I'll kind of I'll try we'll to get some, my... We'll, yeah. we'll do honorable mentions. Exactly. Yeah, I'll try to get my brain going as it goes along. Do some HMs. All right, Mike, I'm in between two, so I want you to go first. You want I'll, me to start? Robbie third, and then we'll go from there. Okay, my, the, my favorite thing that's ever happened to me personally at a Jet game, week one, 2013, Darrell Rivas had just been traded to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I had the pleasure of going to that game. I had solid seats, but nothing great. So before the game, my dad and I went up uh, near the front row and we were taken in a picture that was featured on the cover of the Revis 30 for 30 documentary. It was very fun. So that is one of NFL my favorite films, things. Right? NFL, NFL films, right? Yeah. NFL films. Oh, not, not 30 for 30, the, uh, the Revis of football life. So it comes out and I'm watching Revis of football life and I'm like, holy shit. There I am. Let's go. And Revis is my all-time, you know, my favorite dude. So that was, that's a good one. Is he your favorite Jet for sure? By far, it's not even close. Mm. Yes. Robbie, if you ever want to hack into one of Mike's accounts, if you used Revis in some type of manner in the password, you'll get into his account. He Ooh. was the number one Revis fan. I think on the planet. Capital R-E-V-I-S at something. I yeah, have Revis24 at gmail.com is okay. my email. You think that he would have it, but I actually have that. Mm. Very useful. It's a good pick. It's a good pick. I <laughs> so know when I got, traded him, what was your your week like? So so the interesting thing is all my friends used to make fun of me. They would say, Oh, I hope Revis gets hurt. And you know, I'm in like we're in like young in high school at this mm -hmm. point. People are stupid. I'm like, Revis isn't gonna get hurt and then he tore his ACL. And I was like, All right, and they're like, Revis is gonna get traded. I'm like, he's not gonna get traded. So is he trades him to the box, I'm like Jesus Christ. And then they're like, he's going to go to the Patriots. I'm like, mm. he's not going to go to the Patriots. Wins a Super Bowl in my face. But then he came back. So I always will have a soft spot for Mike McCagnon. Did you have a somewhat of a tear in your eye when he won that Super Bowl? In uh, it, the, the problem is the Patriots already won so many Super Bowls. So it was like, it was more discussed with the Patriots. I can't believe this and happened. Yeah. I can't believe this happened. But it was not as bad as if it was 
I don't know, for some reason, if maybe like the Bills won their first Super Bowl, for, you know, with Revis and he's more of an integra- integral part mm-hmm. of that community, it doesn't feel like Revis is such a patriot, even though he did win, obviously, with them. Yeah. I, look at this. I already derailed the show. Oh, this is, this is, no, this all this is good. Mike, do you remember where we were when Revis was traded? I remember, I remember where we, we were. I actually remember where we were when he came back to the Jets. Okay, so we're, when he was, tux, we're getting our tuxedos. Yeah, went for, for for prom some, something. No, I you were probably at a formal because we were yes, in college when he came for. back. But yeah. Robbie, we were studying for SATs in the basement oh, of, yes. of a synagogue. I don't even know where we were. We were somewhere in Central Jersey, and we were studying for the SATs. And I, I don't even think my buddy just looked over and was like, "Revis traded to the Bucks," and Mike and I. I just looked at Mike because I was upset and I just knew, I think we might've left the SAT prep. And I think you could find a correlation that you underperformed in your SATs because of that class and not paying attention. Because, because of John Isdick. Following the trade with John Isdick. John Isdick ruining kids' lives everywhere. (laughs) The butterfly effect. (laughs) But my pick kind of ties into Revis a little bit. I'm going to do a little two for one here. I don't know if I can do this, but when the Jets played the Browns week one, of 2015 going into the stadium, having Revis run through the tunnel after coming back and signing that big contract. That moment will always stick with me. I have it on video, but that's not really the one I want. The one I want is Josh McCown helicopter into the end zone. It's one of the all time videos. He's diving. It was a early in the game, but it was like a one score game at the time and just going for the extra yard gets helicoptered. Cromartie gets the ball like the one inch. And almost steps out of bounds, and we get the ball to 20. Great game, but seeing McCown fly through the air is one of the all-time moments. I'm up, right? Robbie. So, cool things like being in the Revis photo, I can't think of anything like that, to be honest. I've lived a dull jet life. Um, (laughs) I got lucky. All right, so I think the best game I was at was 2009 opener with Rex. With Giant Stadium, where it was, it was probably the loudest I could remember. Giant Stadium, where he sent that message out to all the fans, "Hey, we need your support." Blah blah blah. And it was the game they beat the Pats. What was it by one touchdown? Oh, are you talking about the literal uh, the home, home opener? opener. Yeah. The home opener, okay. yes, mm-hmm. the home opener. I got you. So at Giant Stadium, and it was loud. And we were actually in a suite, and I don't know why we were in a suite. We got tickets for in a suite the first time I was ever in a suite, but I couldn't stay there. I had to walk down and like be with everyone else because it was that loud so just that whole game i think is is tops the list i was just tweeting about that game i think it's super underrated the really Jets underrated. defense was so vicious mm-hmm. and you couldn't do anything against them and revis had the coming out party with the interception against randy moss that is you know you see eight thousand times but there's so many fun plays in that game I remember leah washington had a crazy like 20 yard running juked out five guys and and Thomas Jones was blasting through the middle, like the old ground and pound jets. Yeah. And they, uh, Rex took the league by storm. They didn't know how to handle it, handle those blitzes and neither did Brady. So that's what was so great in the beginning. Yeah. Rex had some success against Brady, even later on with Gino and some of those games, like the 2013, 2014 mm-hmm. years, it was always close. 2015. And then we started getting blown out recently has been less fun. The end of the, Quote unquote rivalry. Yeah. Revis All right, Mike, straight. you're back up. What are we going oh, here? Back. All right, let's do uh, 2016. You know, I'm no, actually no. I'm going to go with 2017. Being at the Jets' dance to everything game. Mm. 
was. Oh, you were, not, at, you were there? Yes. Matt and I were there. The Jets were, I believe, three and six entering the game. Josh McCown had been playing really well. Jets been a lot of close games. Actually, we're three and five. So the Jets won that game and we're four and five. It was like in a relatively important game. You know, maybe the deepest, most important game over the last four or so years, which is kind of, you know, depressing. Mm-hmm. Um, but dude, McCown was awesome. Jets were dancing. It seemed like, you know, uh, you know, Wilkerson, everyone doing the crazy moves, wearing the color rush. It was a lot of fun. And uh, that year was a pleasant sort of surprise until McCallum went out. Yeah, that was the year where uh, they all thought they, they got rid of the older players and everyone thought they were tanking, right? Except was for Matt Forte. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they, were, they said suck for Sam. Yeah, and they came out and played well, actually, which makes sense because the guys they got rid of were pretty much over the hill, overrated. But, you know, brand names, you're going you're gonna to react in that way. Yeah. Yeah, we yeah, had no expectations going into that year it was tough people predicted the jets to go in 16 that year they're over under win total was four and a half i believe my brother put four hundred dollars on the under and and (laughs) he he didn't hit it jets ended up going five and eleven that was a good game to go to i skipped my thursday night college class to go to that game i drove us up there took two buddies i think um we had a couple friends that we also drove up that were drunk and hilarious the entire night but great game to attend jets dance everything I'm going to go with a memorable moment in 2014. The Jets play the Buffalo Bills, right? The game, Gino starts off terrible. Mike Vick comes in. The all-time Francesa rant of Sammy Watkins had three catches for 156 yards. One of the best rants of all time. But in that game, something happened that will stick with me to the rest of my life. Walter Powell hiding in the end zone on a kick return. (laughs) So it's Percy Harvin's first game. Walter Powell is hiding in the end zone and Percy Harvin gets the ball, runs out, turns to the left, realizes it's probably the worst play of all time and continues on and gets like five, six yards. Walter Powell being incognito in the end zone is one of my all time favorite moments that I attended. Yeah, that's a classic. <laughs> so stupid. That's the game where Gina went two for eight with five yards and three interceptions. Mm-hmm. Hey, did you bring up Francesa? You said Francesa, right? Oh, yeah. The best no, friend. All-time rant. I watched that video like three days ago. I probably watch it once every few months. And I just the he goes like play like a jet. He goes after Idzik talking about how the team's great after starting one and seven. Mm-hmm. The Jets that game, I believe, made like a fifty-five yard field goal to go to half, and everyone was celebrating. And they were still down by over double-digit points. And Frances is ripping them for that. The play like a jet. He goes, "What does that mean? Fumble the ball or drop the ball?" He's just going on it was a great <laughs> rant so arrogant maniac love it so let's see I, I guess i'll go last year because i was at the game i was in the box no fans but the rugs play oh and wow I, i've never seen a press box react to one play <laughs> like i did that play and obviously i've only been there a couple of years but still how can you not react it was the worst call. And now, listen, when people say they were intentionally tanking, come on, get the hell out of here. It was just a terrible call by Greg Williams. You see, the, you see it happen again in the playoffs with Pettin in, in Green Bay, and that was even worse because he didn't bring more than four or five guys. Greg at least rushed seven, I think, uh, with the eighth guy kind of lagging behind. But, yeah, that play created a reaction up there that I, I don't think will ever be duplicated. 
I feel like I can picture the reaction. Rich Samini kind of giggles and writes on his phone. Um, you know, Connor Hughes is like, like eyes wide open, like, holy hell, I'm going to tweet about this. You know, Brian Cobb's looking at whose birthday is the next day so he can tweet that out on time. And then Robbie is eating ice cream. Well, I don't think he was there. Um, Wait, but who? Who? Manish Mehta. Oh, no. He wasn't he there, wasn't but... There. But then Robbie is, is the only, I would say, beat writer who's like a true fan at heart. Robbie was probably, I need to put on a good face right now, but this might get us Trevor Lawrence. This is pretty damn cool. So that press See, box is probably electric. Here's how it is. So I grew up a fan, right? Mm-hmm. But the more you cover the team this in depth, the more you lose that fandom. Oh, that's so sad. Yes. Shit. Fellas, I'm opening up to you right now. Oh. You lose that fandom. And it's just a trade-off that you take. Like, you guys are fans, and you kind of have your objective side and your fandom, right? Like, you, you kind of... never be on objective. Right, right. And <laughs> you know what I mean. But it's, it kind of deteriorates. So when it happened, I stood up right away, and I wasn't upset at all. I was shocked. I just couldn't believe it. It was, it was one of disbelief. And um, the Trevor Lawrence stuff, I, I never thought they were going to lose out or get Trevor Lawrence. It just... It just didn't make sense. Jacksonville had the schedule. Uh, Jets were getting close to winning. So Trevor Lawrence was ne- never there, but I could understand why you thought that. It was more of shock. Uh, if, I can, if I remember what Hughes and Samini, they were shocked too, if I can remember correctly. I think they were trying to look on the – everyone was trying to look at the replay right away, what happened, what happened. But the noise, uh, I just remember the noise being sudden like, right away. Gasp. Yeah, pretty much. Because the play before that, another should've, opportunity should have been for, a touchdown. Should have been a touchdown. So you yes. guys probably in the box were like, wow, they got away with one there. Holy <laughs> And then you mm-hmm. the next play goes goes for Your touchdown. Dad's like Derek Carr's a pussy. <laughs> he threw a beautiful pass. I mean I, want, I wanted was... the Jets to win. I, I I was on I was always rooting for the Jets to win, even if it was kind of me being ridiculous. Were you? You so you're one of those guys, huh? Yeah, I I also wanted Sam. I wanted Sam to literally That's have true. enough stats yeah. to be the quarterback because I knew if he had nine touchdowns, eleven picks, he wouldn't be the quarterback, no matter That's how true. much I wanted it. So, yeah, you want to win that game with <laughs> Sam popping off and have four touchdowns, three hundred yards. But he he played okay, right? He played average. It wasn't was, anything. What we that was wanted, one of his yeah. better games of the year, which isn't saying a lot. I'm a, I'm a big root for your team to win guy. If you have a young quarterback, like when the Jets played Buffalo, uh, I believe it was week 17, 2018, right, Sam's week 16, late in the season, yeah. you could want the Jets to lose. But I'm like, you kind of want your young quarterback to win a game, get some confidence, be a winner in this league. If you go from pick eight to 10 there, I'm okay with that. I think that's a very unpopular take, but I don't, you only get to watch the Jets 17 times in 365 days, you kind of want to watch them win, right? But I get yeah. in a moment, if you want a top two pick and get one of these guys, you have to lose. You know, the Jets were very close to also getting the third pick in the draft because if you look at blowing a double-digit lead to the Patriots Monday Night Football, you should have beat the Raiders. And then you really outplay the Browns who were a depleted team at the time, and then you beat the Rams. And everyone thinks that Braden Man tackle was the reason we got Zach Wilson. Couldn't be further from the truth because they had, didn't have the tiebreaker anyway, like you alluded to, Robbie, and they could have easily beat the Raiders and Patriots. So, yeah. Weird year. And, you know, you could root for them to lose to try to get a player, but just don't fall into the trap of thinking it's the NBA. Don't, don't fall into the trap in thinking that it really does make a difference like the NBA does. And it's easy to fall into that trap with Twitter, with uh, these headlines that go out that try to attack Jets fans. I mean, listen, it's the most rabid fan bases will – 
get the most attention because that'll mm-hmm. generate the most clicks, the, the most starving fan bases and the biggest media markets. So that's the Jets. So just don't fall into that trap. Yes, you want, if you want Lawrence, you could root for a loss here and there. I'm, I'm okay with that. I think that's fine. But um, keep it rational. Yeah, look, I, and to be clear, if, if, there was, if there was one play that determined if the Jets got Trevor Lawrence or not, of course I would rather them, it happen. But to right. root for my team with my quarterback, who I think is the guy, to lose in week 11 or 12, yeah. fuck that. I'm not doing that. Yeah, It's my guy. And it has been my guy. Now he's not my guy. So now hey, he's what, what happens in week one? What, this year? Yeah. Oh, yeah. no, Zach Wilson's the guy now. But once Sam's gone, he was, you know, I, he's I no longer yeah, but the do guy. Yeah, do you think Darnold will – have a good game, put up a good fight. Yeah, I think Darnold will. I think he has what he needs to succeed now. The, the Panthers' offensive line isn't great, but he has some guys. The reason I think he's struggled was he had the perfect storm of bullshit. He had yeah. the worst coach, the worst line, the worst weapons. Now he has what looks like a good coach, good weapons, not a good line. He should be fine. I don't. But again, people are just going to overreact to week one. It's going to be a little frustrating either way. Right. I can't believe the NFL made that happen. And it's smart, right? The NFL is a, a league that does that. I did the math. I think you have a 1 in 13 chance of playing the team that you traded Darnold to, if you count a division. And you have a 1 in 17 chance of that being the week one game. So there's like a 0.4% chance that the Jets would play Sam Darnold week one, and it happened. So it, it's tough. I can't wait to talk about um, the corners because as soon as you mentioned Darnold week one, I'm thinking about the cornerbacks currently for the Jets. After we're done with the top five, that's my first question to you, Robbie. So we'll get there okay. in a minute. Mike, are you up? Or I think I'm you, up. Did yeah. I just – all right, I'm going to go uh, number three. I was at Jets-Ravens 2016, which is a very unmemorable game. But I remember I drank a lot and lost my family and sat in a different section for the whole game and had a terrific time. So that is just one of and, – and Gino got hurt in that game. Fitzpatrick came in and was throwing touchdowns and Newton caught a long touchdown. I had a great time. One of my most memorable games and also unmemorable at the same time for reasons was Jets Ravens 2016. Okay. Yeah. Good pick, but my pick is similar. Jets Bills 2018. So Darnold goes out, you know, he was struggling, a little injured. They said, all right, we're gonna sit you for three games. They play Buffalo at home and Matt Barkley puts up a 40 burger on the Jets just absolutely dominates them beginning to end. And it was the end of the Todd Bowles era. After that game, you kind of knew there was no recovering if you're a Todd Bowles. So I was, you know, going into that game, my buddy's dad drove. So I was like, I'm going to drink as much as I can possibly to, to enjoy a game without Darnold. Because rookie year, he's my guy. Now I can't watch him play in like a 45-degree weather day. Went down to row one, just Todd Bowles, fire Todd Bowles. I'm also not a big fan of like booing or firing, like yelling but that day, for some reason, getting murdered by Mar- Matt Barkley, it was fire Todd Bowles chance throughout the stadium, uh, which I don't feel great about. But memorable moment being at a game where Matt Barkley puts up 40 on your team. Uh, and it just the fire Todd Bowles chance led the way that day. Man, you guys, your age, you have been through the ringer. <laughs> Let me tell you. Because we remember vividly. I vividly remember the, the late Chad years, but when Brett Favre, like the week one Miami game, beat for beat after that moment on. Yes. And, and the thing is, Favre, that season was great. People complain about Favre all the time, playing hurt. Who cares? I loved Brett Favre the Jet. 
And then 09 so cool. and 10 are great. And then you go through the next decade and it's pure garbage. It's the worst of the worst. You have two good glimpses maybe in 11 and, and 15. And now you're here. So it's been a tough See, decade and a half, Robbie. 20, I think 2012 to like 2017 all blend in for me. I, I can't, I know I could pick out certain years, but week to week, no shot. Like some of those that you just gave it as, as examples, no shot. The, the division games were tough. The NFC games, I remember vividly because right. you only play them once in a while. Like the Buffalo games, a weird one's weeks one in 2017 against Buffalo. It's one of the strangest games because me and Mike watched it together. It was in Buffalo. We just don't remember anything that happened. It was a very nothing game. I think it was we like had a 21 pick. to 12 or something. <laughs> it was weird. There was a moment where we had a pick and we were running it back. Could have been a pick six. And we, oh, like, it's, uh, we tackled our own guy. What the hell is his name? God damn it. Is it Coney, Coney Ely? Was no, 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 no. Justin uh, Burris. Okay. That's it who it was. He picked it off in the end zone. It looked like he had a pick six and he got tackled by our own player. Oh, and then... But yeah, we, we, <laughs> we look back on, I, I think we break up the years in the quarterbacks to 2013, Gino's rookie year, 14. Uh, the way again. I remember is by uh, if there's any kind of impactful games, like in 2016, the Jets were three and five at one point which is semi-exciting right. to me. So at least that game, like I could look back on the week, whatever, 10 game against Miami that year. That's the game where Jakeem Grant had the kick return touchdown to murder us. Said, I'm yeah. like, that ruined our season. Like that sucks. And that hurts, but it sticks in my brain. But then like week 16 of 2016, like, I don't know. I think we got killed by the Patriots, but that's just a guess. Right. <laughs> Christmas Eve game. Oh, it might be. Yeah. Got to shut out. It's funny you say that because my third option was it Christmas Eve? Yeah, it was Christmas Eve. All right, ready? 2000. Oh, oh yeah, I think it was 2011. Well, actually, I have a 2011. I'm trying oh, to that find the game? game. I'm trying to find the game, but I'll throw it in the notables. Mm-hmm. It was the one where Burris, Sanchez found Burris, and they came from behind. And Oh, uh, the Chargers or maybe the Houston? Bills? No, it's the Bills game, I think. It was late. It was maybe November, October, November, right in the middle of the season. Um, I tweeted about that. There were fans behind me losing their minds. Sanchez sucks. All that just listen, I don't care if you get on players, but over and over and over again when it's just completely irrational, yeah. I'll lose my mind. And my then girlfriend was next to me. She could see I was getting mad. And I turn around, and I finally say, Shut the hell up. They're about to they're about to score. Like this game is far from over. Yeah. <laughs> and and sure enough, Sanchez actually had a pretty good statistical year that year. Um, gets it done to Burris. He, he ran for six more. Which game was it? Bills? I think, yes, the Bills game. No, maybe the Chargers game is the one it has to be where he had three touchdowns. He had a touchdown against the Bills. He had a touchdown against the Cowboys. He had like I eight think, touchdowns that year. The Chargers had a cool ending. I think it was the Chargers game. Char- but he caught three in that game. Yeah, see what I mean by these games blend in? Even they blend together. Like I can't even remember, but that's a notable. The the one mm-hmm. that my third is two thousand Christmas Eve against Baltimore in Baltimore because I was down there for family for Christmas, and eight of us went and they jumped out to I think a fourteen nothing or fourteen three lead. They're driving, and my dad's hammered at this point, and he's mocking the fans number one defense because they were the best defense oh the no <laughs> Mo- mocking them number one defense as soon as he says number one defense Vinny throws a pick right before the half 
and McAllister, the cornerback, takes it back to the house, 14-10. And then they they would just wind up losing. And all they had to do was win that game to get into the playoffs and – Killer. I was going to say that was winning in, right? The Jets were 9-6 and six at I, I that point. I think so. I didn't think they needed help. I think it was winning in. Yeah. Oh, it's funny. I'm looking at the box score of that game. Vinny was 36 for 69. Yes. Four, 480 yards. There was a lot. of Because they, they were up early. Yeah. They had success. And then the second half, they just kept throwing. And it was nonsense. They let up two punt returns and a pick six. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 14 uh, nothing first quarter. Did you have any faith the Jets were going to – well, you know, I'm sure you had some faith, but did, were you confident the Jets could win that game? Because that Ravens team is is kind of legendary. I, I mean, see, the talent was definitely different, but that was the year where they came back over and over again, the Monday Night Miracle. Yeah. The Tampa game with Corbett against Keyshawn. Yeah. Um, a couple more early that season. So you, you didn't want to count them out because they, they still had a lot of talent from the Parcells uh, building that team in 97. And I think they lost the last three that year. Yeah, they so were they nine were, and four. Yeah, they were nine and four. So I think NFL good. Network had that as one of their top ten collapses, worst collapses. Right? Yeah. Yeah, probably. So yeah, that was a disappointing one. Um, I think I was a senior in high school. That was a, that was a bad one. Uh, that's tough. And that you know, two thousand is a shame. Just looking back, because the Jets were still, you know, ninety eight. Of course, Jets were great, and the ninety nine Testaverde tears his Achilles. So you have two thousand. There's no more Parcells. But it's very much the same team. Yeah. And you still have Vinny. And the Jets made the playoffs the next year, too. Mm-hmm. So what a waste. It was a waste of an opportunity. But you also could say, look, you go 9-7. and seven, Then you have years. 2009 is one of the best years in franchise history. And the Jets were 9-7. and seven, So Yeah, they had the talent. But they were just, with Belichick leaving, they didn't. They had a lot of guys running the show. It wasn't solidified, you know. Want to do some honorable mentions? Yeah, Mike, you want to kick us off? Go through yeah, it? Yeah. I have rapid fire yours. I didn't want to put this, but I have the Giants. I was at the Victor Cruz 99 yard. Oh. Ugh, that was so brutal. That's, the I think, the second Jet game I ever went to. And that was just really That was the beginning of the end. That was the turning point. Oh, it's yeah. one of the, it changed the history of the world because if the Jets won that game, the Jets are in the playoffs, the Giants aren't, and the Giants win the Super Bowl. It changed everything. And the Jets' mm-hmm. personnel just goes down from that point forward. It just keeps getting yeah. worse and worse. Horrible. Mike, do you want to go through more? Or? Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. I have a Darnold's 93-yard touchdown to Robbie. was cool. Yeah. Being there for the Sam home opener was awesome. The Jets beating the Giants in 2019. I have a Revis pick six off Steve Smith's foot in 2009. He had two picks, mm-hmm. and it went over the Panthers. It was a lot of fun. We got uh, trashed and played flip cup with a bunch of police officers who tried to. I mean, uh, <laughs> no. 2016. No, we can say it now. <laughs> I was going to say what? Well, 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 no, what it looked like Matt was giving me a face no, like I was no, doing no. It's not it's so one, bad. We just played it's one of the all time moments. I love it. Yeah. 2016, the Bengals, a home opener. We get there at like 11:45, so late, and you can't find a parking spot. And the only spot there is like a barbecue and stuff. And we were asking them to move and. They were nice about it. They weren't happy. And this one guy just went crazy, like cursing, freaking out, like these guys are idiots. We weren't 21 yet. So we had like beers in the car. We, I think we were like 19. And we pull up the beers and the guy comes over. He's like, yeah, I'm a cop, like whatever. And we were terrified. And then he started, you know, getting to know us, talk football, became our best friend. His guy was like, email me. You'll get a free internship this fall. Like I got you. You're going to pay a ton. Never emailed me back. Mm. But it was just very fun to just, we were so afraid that we were going to get like, arrested by this guy after he freaked out that we took their parking spot. But 2016 opener is an all-timer. And, of course, the Jets get what? 
seven sacks and still lose the game on yeah that was a tough one and yes my overall record i've been to 17 jet games we figured out we didn't used to go so much when we were kids my dad didn't want to go i don't know 10 and 7 that's not bad what are the odds the jets are 10 and 7 in the games that i've been to i think i have a winning record myself funny thing is me and my brother at rangers games we were undefeated we were like 11 and 0 until a few a few years back that's deadly that's good that's Crazy, eleven and zero. It was it was supernatural. It was it was ridiculous. <laughs> I believe in that. I, I don't typically believe in the supernatural, but no, was, there's no ghosts in your room right now. Uh, there actually might be. One time my light turned on. I wasn't expecting it. <laughs> He's got his... I, I'll never forget it. I like the uh, the ninety two yard pick, Mike. That was on there. My brother's a Cowboy fan. Was at the game with us in our seat. That was an all timer. Ninety two oh. yard touchdown. Another good one was twenty eighteen. The Jets were slumping. They took the Colts on at home. Picked six in the first drive of the game. I think it was the first play. I feel like it was a screen pass on third down. Maybe it was the first yeah. play, but it was a, uh, I think it was Claiborne pick six, all-time moment, run up and down. Not a lot of people were there. Uh, another one is um, Mike's dad doesn't get to go to a lot of games. He likes watching the TV. He doesn't not get to. He just doesn't go. He just doesn't <laughs> hey, go. It's not like he's like old and can't go. He's like young and can go. But we, um, we'll have some good beers. We do a little extra Kirk curricular activities and it's a great time mike amazing stories with your dad oh um, yeah my, my my dad smoked pot in the parking lot it was hilarious before the game I, before the game i didn't know that he did that Ooh. and then uh, and then he goes you guys smoking pot i was like yeah he's like he's like all right yeah, he was great. Like, he didn't know that moment. you knew and you didn't know that he knew yeah. and it was like <laughs> i was watching it after like five fireball shots and 10 butt lights i'm like this is about to be a magical moment and it was that was great and so how was his uh, cheering habits he was a little, a little bit quieter, a little okay. more awkward. Okay. <laughs> but, well, you know. No, he was he was good. He was then he just had a couple of drinks. My dad is is a is a very uh, thorough fan. He's not going to scream and yell and be obs- and you know he's he's going to be happy when the Jets are doing well and kind of be try to be rational when things aren't going so well. He gets right. it. Like you, right. you've been around the block. Robbie, what do you have? You, what are you saying? Horrible. I'm I'm old like your dad. You've, you've oh, seen the movie before. <laughs> For folks, there's no video on this, but I do not have gray hair. No. <laughs> it's, it's, it's photoshopped. <laughs> the, the picture on Twitter is... Um, it's a meme. These guys are really good with photos. You've seen their gifts. <laughs> you've seen their memes. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Robbie, give us some of your more ridiculous mm-hmm. honorable mentions. Did, did I do 2005 yet? No. Okay. This is... So this is the these are the worst seats I ever had. Corner of the end zone, literally the last row in Giant Stadium uh, against the Chargers. It was Brooks Bollinger taking him oh. back to win the game, and it was Herm Edwards his last season, and it was Corbett's last catch and last game. Little did we know because we couldn't see a damn thing from where we were sitting, <laughs> but it was as Jets fans know, Corbett's last catch, last game, forced into retirement. Um, Monday, Underdog Jets podcast. Check it out. He actually talks about that specifically. Good plug. Yep, good plug. Perfect good plug. Perfect transition. <laughs> so, you know, it wasn't the the game ended well, but it was always one. It's always one that uh, will stick with you because it was, I guess, one of the more beloved Jets of all time. His last hurrah, his last catch. A good one. Yeah, look, we've been to some. For, for all the horrifying games, you know, in the Jets' past. And Matt, oh, we always bring this up, though. The Jets don't ever lose normal games. 
they have to lose in horrific fashion. Robbie, it's the most unbelievable stat of all time. I, yeah. I went through every game from 2018 to 2020. You can get a, the Packers game where they dueled into overtime. That was a normal loss, mm-hmm. right? You played hard, you lost. Even the Ravens game. Week two, on, week two, Packers? No. no that's, oh, that was the Geno one. Yeah. yeah, yeah it yeah. does blend together, you're right. Yeah. I'm, yeah. So I'm oh, thinking. <laughs> don't, since, don't ask me specifics about the last decade. Since 2018, they, they lost a normal game to the Packers. Mm-hmm. The Ravens on Thursday Night Football, they still lost by 20, and they were fighting. So I don't even count that as a normal loss. Texans. Um, the Texans game where Darnold played pretty well his rookie year. Oh, Darnold loss. was good against Packers that year, too. Yeah, so yeah, the that, Packers that and Texans, are, those are normal losses. If you look at 2019 and 2020, we don't have to go through it all now. Every game, either it's a double-digit loss, it's an embarrassing loss after a big win. It's just You never could just say, all right, the boys played well, 28-24. We didn't have it today, but some good takeaways. Never happened. Never one time in the past three years besides the Packers and Texans. It's horrible. It's a horrible, horrible three years, and you blame it on Gates. You can blame it on Darnold. I'm just hoping that the future looks better, and that's a good segue into OTAs that's finally taking place. Robbie is on the beat. He's on the field. He's watching it live. Uh, a lot of good content on his Twitter and on Jeff's X Factor. But Robbie, if you want to give a quick two-minute blurb, talk to us about OTAs and what's going on there. Uh, the, the entire atmosphere is different. You could tell. There's optimism. There's enthusiasm. The coaching staff acts differently. They're just they're engaging. They they do things differently in terms of stretching even where he'll make sure he goes to a different area to stretch. Uh, what, where is the positive behind that? We speculate, but it's something that's different. You know, the whole environment's different, you know, procedurally in terms of Sala versus Gase, there's not much different procedurally, but it's an attitude thing. And you could tell they're deeper too. They have more talent in terms of depth. Uh, Zach Wilson, it, I hate stats. Like when, when people say Zach Wilson did this, completed this many passes, it, it, it's impossible to do in OTAs. Mm-hmm. What, what I kind of look for is, is he getting the ball away quick, quick? Is his release quick or his feet quick? Is he doing the right things? Is he placing the ball in the right spot? And the first day I saw him last week, it was really impressive. And yeah, May's not there. All the linebackers are there. All the corners are there. And he doesn't have, but he doesn't have Mims, Corey Davis, or Crowder either at the same time. And he's still getting it done. You know, Barrios is really standing out. He's really noticeable because of the opportunity. Elijah Moore is going to be a stud. He, he's a tremendous route runner. Um, anything specific you, get, you guys want to know about any certain player? Well, Robbie, I tweeted out Zach Wilson's OTA stats, and they were completely made up. Completely made up. <laughs> oh, okay. And I was, okay. So I tweeted out he was 46-61, 74% completion, six touchdowns, one pick. Now, and did you go through tweets to try to get it an, somewhat of an idea? Only for the touchdowns and picks. The completions I made up. And I gotcha. thought people would get that it was made up. Half the people were like, holy shit, he's great. The other half were like, are we really doing OTA stats? And I'm like, there's a middle <laughs> group that you're not finding that is not real. So that was... That was it. The one group that I'm focused on, and Mike, I'll let you ask a question because I feel like I'm taking over the OTA no, segment. Please. But the Jets cornerback group mm-hmm. is a glaring need, and everyone keeps telling me and Mike, 
let the young guys play. Let the young guys play. It's, it's a youth movement. The Jets might have the youngest cornerback group of all time. Pinnock, 21. Michael Carter, 22. JaVale Gertie, 22. Lamar Jackson, 23. Zane Lewis, 23. Bryce Hall, 23. Brandon Eccles, 23. Austin, 24. Ballantyne, 25. They have eight years of experience in the NFL. And in today's pass-heavy league, if you're telling me that you know JaVale in the slot, Austin and Hall on the outside, or replace Austin with a rookie – Mm-hmm. holy hell i think this is a huge problem with this team and i think there's a corner out there a veteran that you can plug in and and make this group better because right now mike says it i say it 28th pass defense or worse right now and that's a huge problem for this team it's uh it's gonna come down to the pass rush if the pass rush hits home the corners will look that much better the good news in, in otas is michael carter is really good working out of the slot. He got a lot of love uh, with the first team on this week. What was it? Yesterday? Was it Wednesday? Um, so Gidry looks pretty solid too. Carter picked off Wilson in the red zone on a deflection. Uh, Pinnock had a bunch of good plays. So the good news is they're making plays, the kids. And Wilson was more up and down this week as opposed to the first time around. I think DJ said the defense won the day. And I agreed with him. But it was really back and forth. Like, the offense had some moments, too. And um, so, yeah, I agree with you. A veteran corner would be nice. And Sherman, I wouldn't rule that out yet. It, it's, it feels suspicious to me that it's lingering like this because I don't think Sala would or Douglas would hesitate if he wanted to come to the Jets. And, yeah, you'll overpay for him for sure. But what he does in that room, knowing Sala's defense, is invaluable. So I, I agree with you. They need a guy. The Jets have money to blow also. I just yeah. don't want Joe Douglas to sit on another pile of cash while there are obvious needs at positions where there are players available that can fill those positions. And I'm talking about last year, there were veteran wide receivers and veteran pass rushers available, and the Jets sat on the money, and they couldn't rush the passer, and they didn't have enough wide receiver depth, and it's frustrating. And it looks like the Jets have a shot if they do get a guy like Sherman – to have what could be a top 10 defense. You have arguably a top five offensive line. Uh, the Jets X Factor put out a great piece ranking each position, interior defensive line, edge by their rushing and passing metrics and came out that the Jets were the number two defensive line in football. You have CJ Mosley and what could be an exciting linebacker core with one of these rookies at the will spot in Israel Dean and Sherwood. And you have Gerard Davis to play the other side. But the, and the safeties, Marcus May is terrific. And I like LaMarcus Joyner and Ashton Davis is an exciting young player. The cornerback group, like Matt is saying, and what we're talking about, obviously, is just barren. At, at the moment, right? What we right. know and what we can control. Oh, on paper. That. I love Bryce Hall. I, I have his shirt. And I and I know Gidry had the whatever 76 uh, PFF grade last year. And bless Austin, it got jacked and then was worse. And sometimes <laughs> tackles well and sometimes grades poorly. But yeah. I think it's going to be more of a surprise, the, the DBs, the corners this year, because of the pass rush. But at the same time, I don't want to go nuts with the pass rush. I've been hearing people predict outrageous sack numbers for the pass rush. It, Carl Lawson, see... 15 and a half. No, <laughs> no there's no way. I'm, listen, I love the Lawson signing, but yeah. I'm not, I would never predict him for over seven and a half. Like, it's Quinnen. Quinnen's the only guy you could even think about touching double digits in terms of predictions. The you don't think Lawson is, could have 10 sacks? 
I think he can. But, but you would just wouldn't predict it. Okay. I, I wouldn't yeah. predict it. That's, yeah, that's eight, fair. Very seven fair. And very half, fair. Eight. I think the well, prediction, like right in the average, seven and a half, eight. Do I yeah, think he could have double digits? For sure. For of sure. Course, but, right. but they're very deep too. They're going to be rotating. So it doesn't matter if you don't need two guys to hit double digits. They have a lot of guys. And you need, when you, when you look at a lineup, you don't, you can't look at your D line as just four. You got to look at it as seven or eight. That's the way this, that's the way football works in the NFL today. So yeah. that's a really good thing. And I think as a whole, it's going to be a good pass rush. Uh, I just wouldn't go far in saying, okay, Rankins is going to do this. He's going yeah. to be a stud. Lawson's going to put up this number. Yeah. So for, for that, the corner, I think the corners will be better than we think. Michael Carter is going to be really good. good. I really think Michael Carter is going to be good. Both Michael Carters, to be honest. Yeah, I was the, running say, back, yeah. the running back will be starting week one too, I think. I I do think though with with Sherman, it depends on what he wants because people say he wants to play for a winner, right? He wants to to be on a winning team. But if Sherman thinks he could play three to four more years, which I think Sherman does truly believe he can play for three years, maybe you take the most money for a one year deal with the Jets, and you take you know I, I can make a number eleven, twelve million, right? It could be less, it could be more. Who cares? If you take a one year deal, you get to be a veteran. You're in the New York market. He's a marketable guy. He seems like he thrives in uh, media, and I think he would be a good fit, be a good mentor. And if he plays great, go get your deal next year, right? You can do that. Or another factor, which I don't think people are talking about enough, he, as as a leader itself in in, in the the Salah defense, you have guys with eight years total experience. Sherman, where is he at? Nine or ten now? You literally have more experience in one man than you have in your entire room combined. I think it's a no-brainer, and if you give him that contract and say the young guys are playing great in practice and say Sherman's a little slow, you don't have to start him. You can be a mentor, or you can release him and let him go to a playoff team that needs a corner in week 10 or 11, like they did with Bell. Then you can trade like they trade McClendon. I just think there's an avenue just to say, hey, we'll give you a shit ton of money. Be a mentor. We have the money. If it doesn't work, we'll give you a playoff team. Or he only played five games last year anyway. If he's he probably get hurt, and the guys, it's not like there's not enough snaps. Is like the Jets are acting like cornerback snaps are at a premium when, like you said, there's eight guys who played eight years combined. So that, I remember Salah saying that. Um, it's sort of a, I think that it's sort of a strategy and a message to the young yeah. guys. Hey, we believe in you. Get it done. Step up. And, and on the Sherman front, he's a veteran. I mean, when you get to his age, you want to wait. You, you don't – you want to wait as long as possible, see if an injury pops up, see if the perfect situation pops up. Maybe you could uh, come in training camp later. You know, who knows? There's a lot of things. You set, you set certain avenues up and you don't let anyone know what you're thinking. It usually leads to the best possible scenario. I saw something recently where it, it suggested Sherman – was interested in the Jets as a fallback option. He's never said that. <laughs> He's never said that. But you could see it. You could see that it's possible. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm with you. One-year deal, I'm all over it. Even if I'm overpaying, multi-year deal, I'd have to look. I'd have to look at the numbers and see. And don't forget this other thing, Crowder. As much as I love Crowder, if these young receivers keep on stepping up and showing face and practice OTAs and training camp, you know, we don't know about Crowder yet. We don't know what they're going to do. Well, you, if they're going to, if they cut Crowder, they better use the money. I think that's what Matt right. was going to say to that's sign right. a corner or something. Don't sit on another pile of cash and don't throw 850 yard receivers and 80 catches in the trash either. 
And then in yeah. week three, we have to watch Jehu Chiasin and Lawrence Cager with his piano wire hamstring. Now, I'm not a huge salary cap guy, but I think a lot of that stuff deals with the carryover. Uh, yeah. The carryover stuff, how Douglas works with it. Um, Which we don't understand on we, record. <laughs> we do not get the carryover. And right. we, are, we are diehard fans. We don't know the cap well. If, it, if, if we gave someone a one-year, $10 million mm-hmm. for that one year, it should just be gone after the year's done. Like, we right. don't understand the carryover. We also don't get how the Chiefs, the Browns, and Cowboys every year have a ton of players making double-digit million per year, and they just restructure to a signing bonus. I feel like the Jets, and Joe Douglas obviously gets it, but I feel like the Jets as a <laughs> franchise don't understand what you can do, and they're just starting to learn now. Like, they're in, like, a video game, and they're not leveled up enough to do a signing bonus transaction. <laughs> See, it's knows? it's how I, it's so hard to paint this picture. Douglas is he'd rather sacrifice a win or two or three in order to reach the highest potential ceiling long term. Yes. Now, how could I describe that? It's, it's a lot of tough. things. I don't I think I like. can. It's partially probably playing the rookie corners more in minicamp and tra- see, OTAs. And it matters because every snap, every rep, every game, you could identify a guy that could possibly turn into something. And guys, teams miss on guys all the time because reps don't happen. You never give the guy an opportunity. So that matters greatly. And if, and if someone, the more guys you have making less money who, whose ra- ceilings are raised – the higher your ceiling could be in the future. Yes. Yeah. And I, I, I get sacrificing that win or two. I get that. When you're a young rebuilding team, you went seven and nine your first year with a roster that was not yours. You start building your roster. You go two and 14. Now you have a rookie quarterback. You don't know what's going to happen. You have a young cornerback group. If the Jets go five and 12 this year, which is probably where they're over under lands, the clock is it's ticking and it's it, it you can't keep sacrificing a win or two so then they use that money next year then you go seven and ten and you're like okay wait again we haven't been to the playoffs now in 14 years what the oh, hell Jesus. is happening it's like there's yeah. a worst case scenario that i'm i'm starting to say all right let's get more aggressive you don't have to trade for julio jones but if they right. didn't get Corey davis i think Cor- <laughs> julio jones might be on the table i think you have to start being very aggressive the tackle from washington goes i like george fan a lot if you think he made you a, a win better, you have to go get him. So yes. I just, I'm with MC you. East is open too. I'm with you. As much as I, what I just said is true in terms of long-term high ceiling. Yeah. It, there's a gray area. You need veterans in the room, especially for short-term contracts. Yeah. And I'm all that still for fits in with the plan. I am all for Sherman. Three yeah. years, I don't know. I'd no, I agree. I don't want Sherman. Even if I mean two years, like one of these contracts now, where it's really like a one-year deal. Mm-hmm. But a three-year, $45 million contract is tough to have on the books for this team. I understand. Yeah. But why also? Why do we always have to lose? We have, we're in a division. Tom Brady and Bill Belichick are gone. Gone are the days where one team is going to win the division 15 years in a row. The Bills were terrific last year, but it doesn't sustain in the NFL like that for most teams, like it did for the no. Patriots. It's time. Every year mm-hmm. is time now. And we have our guy and all these teams win on the quarterback's rookie deal. We have the most resources that we'll have at any point now in the Zach Wilson era. Right now, you have it, the most it money. It boggles my mind when people say the Jets have no chance to make the playoffs next year. It doesn't That's ridiculous. Make, it doesn't make sense. This yeah. is the NFL. 
uh, one-year turnarounds happen all the time. One, Especially two, to the playoffs. You're not saying win the Super Bowl. Yeah, exactly. A 17 playoff. Yeah, it's a, it's a great accomplishment, but it's for sure possible. Am I am I predicting it? Do I think it's going to happen? Um, no, but it's for sure possible, and you can't think like that. Like, I don't like to think of re- rebuilding as something I see in the NHL and the MLB. Rebuild on the fly. Right. Football is different. It's yeah. It's building a, an environment more because you create talent that way. And, and one great draft, one great offseason could flip everything. That's what I'm saying. It's easier to rebuild on the fly in the NFL where once you, if you establish the culture and then hit on the guys, like it's time. And, right. You know, players come right into the, you know, they do in the NHL too, but they go right from college into the NFL. Like, like, there's a lot of Jets fans with Zach Wilson, with Douglas, why is it different this time? They, they don't, they'll never believe it until they see it. And I understand they can never be blamed because it's been a disastrous road for sure. So, uh, but you got to look at the signs, you know, a lot of things have changed. They have this new injury prevention program. They've attracted good people. That's, that's the goal. Attract the best people to your team, not just players, but coaches, doctors, everything, everybody. And Douglas is Douglas really understands that. Previous GMs didn't understand that. Beat writers. <laughs> beat writers. Yeah, yeah. Throw those beat writers in there. Beat writers websites that then acquire random Twitter accounts. Yeah. yeah. It all works <laughs> towards a winning culture. I also think very <laughs> very underrated. The Jets had a horrific schedule last year, not only in teams played, mm-hmm. but traveling around the country. I think this year is more favorable. You get an extra home game with the new you know, 17th game, and you play Atlanta's road game, or which would be a road game at a neutral site, which is I don't really get why the NFL did it like that, but we'll take it. Also, looking at the Jets' schedule, I know it's way too early to look at wins and losses. I never like doing that. I look at what team scares me. The Buccaneers scare me, and we get them at home, and the Bills scare me, and we get them at home once. The other teams on the schedule, if the Titans get Julio Jones, maybe I get more terrified, but the, the Titans are a team that I've – I oh, think man, we could lo- put uh, we could put Javel and Gert Kidry on Julio Jones. Uh, absolutely, so. <laughs> but you go down the schedule. I I we talk about it when we had Darnold and who what quarterback are we like? There's no shot Darnold could beat. You look at Mahomes. You look at other guys. I'm looking solely on teams I'm afraid of next year. I give you Buffalo Bills and the Tampa Bay Bucks. The other teams, there's good teams. A lot of teams are better than us. I'm not going to bed scared playing the Titans. I'm sorry. Also, if the Titans get a Julio, he's not on the Falcons, so that's good for right, us. Another win. <laughs> uh, the, the beginning of the schedule is not tough at all. No. I mean, and, and the thing about football is you, you could play above or below your talent more so than any other sport. You know, if you get momentum and you feel good, you could really outplay how good you are. So if you have a good, easy schedule in the beginning, that's a really good break. I'm looking at the schedule right now, and I just had a euphoric moment. We're going, we're going to play this back in September. Mm-hmm. We're going to win one against Carolina or New England. We're going to start off one and one. And okay. we're going to be all in that we're going to walk through Denver and win. We're going to lose. And then we're going to beat the Titans at home. That's yeah. it. We're going to be two and two going to London. Like on record, I will put my house on it. Two and two going to Atlanta, the London game. Last I question think, I have. I think oh. minimum two. I, like I could that. even see three and one. Oh, 4-0, oh, baby. No, oh, my God, it. You heard it here first. Robbie Sabo, 4-0. And the rest of the beat has to just go in the corner, of the, you know, away from your family in the stadium. It's just <laughs> crazy. 
my uh, lost again. It's tough. I got one. I got one last question. I know we've been on for almost an hour. Probably wrap up soon. But Woody Johnson, have you seen Woody at any of the OTAs? Uh, is he filming the tweets that he then puts out on his Twitter account? Uh, and just overall, the feel of Woody coming back is positive. It's fun. It's remembering the times before we had five, six years of horrific football. What do you think about Woody coming back, and have you seen him? I haven't seen him. I saw Christopher at one of the at the first OTA. I haven't seen Woody. He's probably there somewhere, but during the land, land of COVID, they put us far away mm-hmm. than regular regularly so we'll miss people walking around i think woody coming back is a good thing i mean listen woody and christopher together that works but the main thing is they changed the hierarchy which some people don't think is a big deal but i think it is a big deal because you you never want i mean look folks look at what they did with mccagnan and bulls they were two total strangers they brought in at the same time they didn't even meet each other before they you know, started working together. Like Tinder. Tinder, yeah. Bumble. And, <laughs> right? It's Bumble, right? That one? Yeah. Yeah. But, so it. they both report to the ownership. It just doesn't it, – it works for some teams, but it doesn't – you don't want – it's not ideal. And then previously with Gase and Joe Douglas, you know, this works. Douglas is the clear boss, and Salah hires his guys. Remember two years ago, what did Matt Rule say? He didn't want to comment about the Jets job because he didn't want to be in an arranged marriage, which suggests, if he's telling the truth, that they were pushing Greg Williams on the next head coach. That's a disastrous situation. So what you have is two head coaches, Greg Williams coaching defense, Gase coaching offense. Yeah. yeah. It's different. This is, this is one of the signs where it's different now. You know, Salah, sure, he could have called defensive plays. He doesn't have the ego, though. His his ego is not there, and he's like, yeah, I'm cool with another guy calling it. That's a great sign. It's different. It's a good point. And I mean, Matt, Matt Rule, take, you're right, arranged marriage. You look at it. Adam Gase said, give me whoever the hell you want. If I take a job after it's being fired, I'll take any job. I'll, you can take Woody Johnson's grandkid making the offensive coordinator. I'll take it. So I think right. – is a huge factor, and and Mike, sorry to cut you off. No, is Dow maybe Dowell Loggins is Woody Johnson's grandson? He's at Penn State now. <laughs> Why? Mm-hmm. He's like an offensive quality coach at Penn State. Oh, jeez. Well, well, Robbie, you made that point on your podcast that you do with Wayne Corbett, which is terrific. The point that you just made, you elaborated on in that podcast, the Underdog Jets podcast. And if you listen to that podcast, which you should, you'll know that Wayne Corbett does a mailbag of questions from the internet. Uh, and and basically, Robbie alluded on the pod that people wrote, quote-unquote, vile things in some of the questions, and I was wondering if you could read some of them on our podcast. Oh, man, I don't even know <laughs> where they are, but you know what, I, you know what I'll do? Yeah. I'll read one. <laughs> oh, I wrote an optimistic article last weekend. It was Memorial Day weekend, and it was raining, so all my plans got canceled. Yeah. 3,000 word article. I wanted to be optimistic. I saw, saw a lot of Jets fans saying it's not going to be different. It never is different. I heard this last time with Darnold. So I wanted to point out, you know, kind of what I mentioned to you guys, how it's different this time. You know, there are legit reasons it's different. And the article I got was just, if I could find it, it's, I can't believe this guy is actually a Jets fan. So he commented on the uh, the blog. No, he, said he, he found my email and sent me an email. 
And you said that you, you can't believe that you're a Jets fan? No, no, no. I can't believe he is. Oh, yeah. Oh, what did he say? <laughs> I got I to find this. I could probably narrow it down to like two or three Twitter users after hearing the, the language used. <laughs> um, he's the typical nothing will ever go right fan, which yeah, I understand. Uh, he's an older fan too. Robbie. Now, now he, folks, he didn't go through the contact us section on the website. He didn't comment. There's a comment section on the article. He sent me an email. A he hand wrote email. it and then delivered it to your address. Personal email. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was a Jets fan for over 42 years. Was a Jets fan. I, I forgot oh. about that. Going back to the Johnny Lamb Jones years. Yeah, that's rough. <laughs> and since they drafted Zach Wilson, I have finally given up. So he just give, gave up. This is the breaking Zach point. Wilson. We draft a, a young, cool quarterback prospect. He's done. <laughs> he's done. This is probably the 47th time he's done. But yeah. A friend of mine sent me your article. Yes, New York Jets fans, it's different this time. And after reading that, I realized I made the right decision. How in the hell does anyone in their right mind think that Joe is doing a good job? Facts are facts, and if you look at what he has done, they're going backwards and getting worse. I am in no way saying McCagden or Gase were great, but you guys in the press look over every mistake and blunder this guy makes. I don't get it. He took over a team that went 7-9 and without Sam for four games. And Williamson and Mosley out all season. He then took that team and blew blow it up and got them to two and fourteen. All of his free agent signings were busts, and in fact, the O line <laughs> went from twenty eighth to 29th, according to PFF. His draft was also not good. He takes Beckton at eleven, then Worfs, who turns out to not only be a better player but can't also stay healthy, is sitting. Uh, with, uh, can that's, also stay healthy is sitting right there for the taking. That's unfair. He drafted a potential all-pro guy, and he's like, you didn't draft the other potential all-pro guy. Right. I mean, listen, Becton does have to stay healthy, but of course. come on. Now, this one's outrageous. He then passes up Claypool, trades the pick so he can get the extra pick to draft James Morgan. Listen, Claypool, it, you're a product of your environment with these rookies. Like, to say Claypool would have done the same thing he did last year on different teams, you just don't know that. It's based it, on environment. Is he really 10 touchdowns better than Denzel Mims? Right. Whatever, nine, no. Right. So instead of taking Werps and Claypool, both making all-rookie team, we have Beckton, Mims, Davis, Clark, and Morgan. That's a much better way to go, I guess. And, of course, all of you guys in the press do is applaud him for, for four guys who got hurt and another who never saw the, saw the field. Then in the offseason, instead of drafting the offensive genius this franchise so clearly needs, we go defense again, and he brings in LaFleur to run the great Shanahan offense. Dripping with sarcasm. <laughs> Kyle has been head coach for four years, and his great offense has done has come in last three out of the four years. And so set, and he's been in two Super Bowls too, by the way. Well, and so has yeah. Salah. Great choice there when we could have had B enemy. Let's see. Reed wins the Super Bowl. His OC wins the Super Bowl. His next OC goes to the playoffs, blah, 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 blah. Then he gets on Carl Lawson. What? He hates then, Carl Lawson? Then right, not the sack total. He probably hates. He goes, yeah. you realize that in the last four years, Jordan Jenkins has the same number of sacks. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> there it is. Um, and has better stats everywhere but quarterback hits, even though that's big, big pressures and quarterback hits is really what it's all about. Uh, and we paid this guy – Five times what Jenkins got. Now for the draft, he takes Zach Wilson over Justin Fields. Either Joe is a racist or a moron. Oh, geez. It's just, listen, and it's just irrational stuff. Like, this one wasn't vile. I can't find the vile one. We'll get that one day. 
I'll, yeah, yeah, when, yeah. I'll, I'll dig it up. We use the Freedom Act, whatever, to like, get Fauci's emails. I'll tell you this. This guy, <laughs> I love the fact that he was probably done with work, cracked his knuckles, said, all right, we're going to type this out. The wife's like, hey, did you pick up a dry clean? No, I'm writing an email to Robbie. I saw his article. I'm pissed. Jim sent it to me. I don't even follow Jet X Factor. Just went to typing. <laughs> And he does make like kind of funny points that are kind of true, but he also is wrong that Douglas did not take over seven and nine team. He took over the team that went five and eleven, or I'm sorry, four and twelve. They went seven and nine with the roster that McCagney built. Then everyone told me on Twitter that the Douglas clock starts now. They went two and fourteen, but now it starts for real this year. So I'm curious to see if they have a bad year. If people tell me now Douglas the clock starts because he's not a rookie anymore, Zach Wilson, but we'll see. I think that guy just the thought of him typing that email so fucking mad is like all time. I, I love it. I need, I want more of that. I want to make an email for depressed jet fans that are, they, he'll tell you at a tailgate. He will tell you when I went to a game in 1982, the cornerback did this, they lost by 50. You don't even understand it. Like you will hear him at a tailgate. I'm going to open up an email Anyone that wants to send horrific and vile messages are welcomed. And I would love to read them out in the pod. It's just, you know what? And I get sent a lot of stuff and most of the time I reply, whether they agree or not, as long as it's rational and, and you could tell a conversation will happen, then you reply. There's yeah. no point in replying to this. There's no conversation to be had. He ends with, they will never achieve anything with Wilson or Joe. The two guys you all love so much. What I would do is I, would, I wouldn't respond, or if you do respond, say, we'll see in three years. Who, who knows? Yeah, right. it's, it's, just, it's, it's nonstop. And I get it. Again, it, Johnny Lamb Jones, he goes back. That's early 80s. So he's been around a long time. Um, I get the frustration, but you can't look at the number results. You know, Robbie Anderson having a good year, it, it's far from over. You know, you got to get – you have to allow for a legit sample size. I've seen people get on Ryan, the Ryan Khalil signing. How in the world do you get on that signing? Douglas we, took over after the draft, after free agency, trying to improve a terrible offensive line for Darnold. We, we loved where, that move at the time. I, I said, I, yeah. Where was the loss? I understand if you signed him in free agency and you spent a lot of money, but you didn't lose anything. It was a high risk or a, excuse me, low risk, high reward situation. That's what we're asking for now with Sherman or right. with Moses. Right. So it's yeah. just, that's an unfair, it's an unfair one. Yeah. I'm with you, but Robbie, as always, every time we come on, we could talk for five hours about all the good old Jets memories. And, and we really appreciate you coming on. We have been loving the work that your team's been putting out. We're happy to be a part of the team. If you're listening to this pod, it is Friday. Go back and listen to whether it be Blue It's Blitz, the Underdog Pod, uh, Cool Your Jets. They're doing some great work over there. Robbie, again, thank you a lot for coming on. Thanks, fellas. Anytime.